welcome to Lending Forward, a podcast where we're lending every bit of what we know to our listeners. From real conversations and lessons learned deep within the industry to education and forward thinking, together we're Lending Forward. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to our channels and connect with us on www.atlanticbay.com. Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group, LLC, NMLS number 72043, NMLSconsumeraccess.org is an equal opportunity lender. Located at 600 Lynn Haven Parkway, Suite 203, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23452. Welcome to another episode of Lending Forward. I'm your host, Taylor Ellard, and joining me today are two incredible powerhouse females that I know and love, Tina Call and Miss Kendra McCormick. So welcome. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Yay. Well, tell us a little bit about how you both know each other. I think, is it 11 years or more? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> I would 11. say between four and five. Okay. Does that sound right to you, Tina? Yep. Yep. Um, probably longer. I'm trying to think. We were at Remax. I yeah. know that. And that was in 2016. Ken, we hired a woman onto our team and that woman knew Kendra. And we had a lender that we were working with at the time. And Kendra was introduced to us. And of course, Kendra being Kendra, she just never went away. <laughs> and so she just inserted herself right in there. <laughs> And that guy's gone and here she laughs. I love it. And I think at that time, Tina only had maybe three buyer's agents. She was still doing all the listings. Yeah. And now, gosh, you're getting, you got to be getting close to 50 on just the call team. Right, Tina? We're like, yeah, we're 58 agents. Wow. Um, 58. And then, you know, of course, we've got like 12 leadership. So, yeah, the team is definitely bigger. No more house. I used to have everybody over for Christmas and we sat at a table and we, you know, we're celebrated. And now I'm like, I can't even have Christmas at my house with my team anymore, which kills me, but that's okay. You can buy a big mansion, Tina. I need a big mansion. (laughs) I don't need that. I want to travel and get out of, get out of town more. (laughs) I'm sure. Yeah. 58. That's some serious growth and a lot of therapy, right? Because I feel like right now agents are like there and, and Kendra, you're feeling this too on the lending side, but we're just all kind of coaching each other through this and navigating through life and the trials and tribulations and prospecting again. It's all kind of unique, but you both have the same kinds of days typically with fielding borrowers and home buyers and navigating them through their journeys, whatever that might look like. For those mortgage bankers who are out there trying to prospect right now, what would you say are some of the fundamentals to a solid mortgage banker agent relationship? I'll start off. I think it's number one, relationships, the most important thing, out of sight, out of mind, but also communication is super important to realtors. And even with Tina, she's got a big transaction coordinator team and they're the ones behind the scenes making sure everything gets to the closing team. So it's not just communication with her individual agents that might send us the referral. It's making sure, you know, when people have a team in place or an assistant or transaction coordinator, they're the ones following up on everything. So communication to those people is just as important. So it really has to go all around. I think that's probably... I mean, do you agree, Tina? That's probably one of the number one most important things. And you always have to keep in mind, and what we tell, what I always tell a real estate agent is, I'm a 100% reflection of you. Right from the very first initial conversation I have with one of your clients, the real estate agent has a team in place. They have their 
go-to lender. They have their home inspectors, their attorneys, and all of those people that they trust and refer to their clients become a reflection of them, really future business. Both Tina and I are both in a 100% referral-based industry. So we have to bring the level of service to every single client that makes the real estate agent shine because they were a reflection of them. And I think that's a really important piece. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think communication was is the biggest. And you said it out of sight, out of mind. You know, when you're there and you're present and you're eager and you know, people know who you are, it's like they they kind of go, Oh, well, I know Kendra. It's like a friendship, you know, relationship, you know, like, oh, we know her, we we like her, we trust her, and we're gonna send our clients there because we know that she's not gonna, you know, she's not gonna leave them high and dry. Mm-hmm. So I think that is important. And there are, you know, there are good lenders that still to this day, we have people popping by and they just won't give up and they're diligent. They're like, I'm going to get this business. And I, I think that's amazing, right? That's what it takes is, is we've said no a million times to some of these people and they're still in there trying to make a name for themselves. And so, so yeah, so Kendra does a good job about keeping herself involved with the team so they can build relationships. I know that trust is so important. So, and then in turn, trusting them. But so I guess for those who are maybe just now breaking into the industry and they really truly are prospecting and they're hitting the ground running every single day. What are some, past the first conversation, you know, but and you you both are having these conversations, but past the first conversation, it's really about follow-up. And you said it, you know, showing face and being there and being present and being consistent with these different efforts. But what would you say, agents need to hear from mortgage bankers? Like what help can we, we give you, you know, and I'm, again, I'm speaking to those who are just kind of fresh or they're seasoned and they're kind of like, I need a new referral partner or, or three or four, whatever that looks like. What would you say agents need the most from mortgage bankers right now? You know, for me, I and I always tell the lenders too when they're standing up in front of the room. I mean, obviously, we want them there to, to report on rates and little adjustments or loan programs. But the biggest thing for me is if I were a loan officer, I would want to stand out because I could bring different value to the agents. So I'm not just going to tell them about the rates. That's important. But I'm going to say, hey, let's have this, you know, let's have a book club about this mindset, you know, book that I read and really get them involved about higher learning for maybe the team leader or the the agents, putting them in groups and teaching them scripts and dialogue. Hey, I know when the when the buyer says this, I'm I'm thinking about going to Bank of America. Here's let's practice these scripts, you know, almost getting in front of them and doing trainings because sometimes there's a weak team leader and they don't they don't maybe aren't skilled that way and they've grown a team based on referrals and who they are as people, but maybe they're not great teachers. So if I were a lender, I would try to become a good coach and I would learn different aspects of the business almost like a real estate agent would. And then I would disseminate that information and bring it to the agent and say, hey, did you ever think about this? Did you ever think about that? Or, you know, this is a marketing thing that another agent of mine does and it works and and try to like help them in their business more so than say, I'm a great lender. I close deals fast and I'm always going to return calls. Well, that's expected. That's the minimum standard. (laughs) Right. I know. I think being outside of the box and being unique is so important right now because that's truly what's going to set you apart from the rest. And that's, it's hard to, not everybody is, 
you're either analytical or you're super duper creative. And it's hard to kind of mesh the two together. So it's good if you've got someone that is creative and can think outside of the box. So providing those little nuggets to those mortgage bankers is extremely helpful. So thank you for that. You guys are both fabulous moms. And so I want to kind of talk about how you juggle work-life balance. What have you kind of learned over the years from when they were itty bitty to letting go a little bit? Tell me how you've juggled through that. Still figuring it out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is challenging. I'll say I don't have a, I never had a balance. It was very unbalanced. If you're going to be a, hot, a top performer, I mean, that's how I felt. You know, if you're just out there and you're going to do this thing and you're going to make it work, I didn't have much balance. I mean, I remember a time where I left my kid in an elevator on accident. So um, <laughs> things just happen and your mindset's every, you know, all over the place. But I would just say, give yourself grace because it's like having two jobs. You know, I always say we have to do the work of a man. Sorry, man, if you're listening, we have to do the work of a a man that can do in eight hours, we sometimes have to do it in three and four with the kids and and all these extra activities in between to go then do the job where we can't just hyper-focus on one role because we're also mom. That's how I felt anyway. So give yourself grace. It's never a perfect balance. (laughs) It's never perfect. I've kind of told a lot of moms from my experience, you can have it all, but it's, it's not always obtainable to have everything at once. So there might be a five-year period where you're focused on your kids, another five-year period where you're really putting more time into your career. It's hard to do everything at once. And I, I think you can't have that expectation. Also, as your business grows and you have the you have more disposable income, outsource the stuff that doesn't matter, whether it's food delivery hire a chef to come in, you know, a house cleaner, all those things that, you know, is not giving back to your family and is not putting time into your career. As you have the income to do so, get that off your plate. It's one less thing to worry about. And I also have learned my kids are in college now, so I've been through it and they need different things at different times. And I, one thing I remember was, you know, when they were in high school or towards the end of middle school, when they were so all about themselves and their friends and what they have going on, when they would come to me or they would be ready to talk or I'd be driving in the car and my phone kept going off for work, you know, it would upset them. And I learned when they need me, I have to drop everything for them because the time is fleeting and they get to a certain age where when they're reaching out to you or they want to talk, it's not always that often. So you you have to be all there, 100%. So, you know, it goes fast. You know, I'd say, I always tell moms, I, I said, the minute they hit middle school, you blink and they're in college because just the busyness of their lives, the activities, the friends, all of that. So, you know, you can always the gas pedal down on your career, but you're not always going to get those moments back with your kids. So you just have to kind of maybe keep that at the forefront. And if you have a great partner, that makes a huge difference. I've been really blessed. So and I know Tina has as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always ask my son because he's 17 now. And like Kendra said, it's like, oh my God, I, I'm going to blink and he will be in college in a couple of years. But I always ask him like, honey, what do you remember before the age of five? You know, because that was to me, that was, I was in build mode and I felt like I was shuttling him around to, you know, nannies or my mom's, you know, my mother-in-law or my mother. And, you know, it, I had a lot of mom guilt, but that was the building years. And I'll ask him and he's like, 
you were the best mom and you know, you were great. And I don't remember anything. Like my first childhood memory was when he was six. I was like, oh, thank God. So he doesn't even remember that. So that took a little bit of the guilt away. I was like, oh, okay. Cause I thought maybe it would affect him. It doesn't, it affects us the most. And we hold on to that. But now when I see him, you know, turning into this young man and we talk about the next, you know, 10 years of his life and there are moments where I go, oh my God, he learned that from me. He sees that, he wants that, he wants to be successful. And he'll say like, mom, you taught me that or when you do this. And it's like, by the time our kids go off to college, I think a lot of women, you know, find themselves trying to reinvent themselves or start over and discover who they are when so many of us are who we are through having kids. Our job is to keep them alive and make them good humans. Like, you don't don't have to dedicate your whole life to them because they're not dedicating their lives to you. They entered our world. And so selfishly, we always said to Michael, you entered our marriage. We're going to be the rock after you leave. So my job is to really create a great human, you know, make sure he's a nice guy and hopefully he'll like us enough to hang out with us after we, he leaves the nest. He will. I think so. (laughs) He will. I love that. Mom guilt is hard and it's hard to have it all, but you can. And seasonality, as Kendra said, and giving yourself grace during those different seasons is so, so, so important. Well, thank you for that. But what would you say is the biggest piece of advice that you would give to a woman, a man, anyone that's just starting out in this industry and life, kind of reflecting on where you are now, two extremely successful women, and you're able to give one piece of advice to someone just starting out in their careers, what would you say? I think in the beginning, you have to be bold and you have to step out of your comfort zone. You know, no great, successful leader, entrepreneur, any of that, they didn't have it easy. They didn't get there because it was an easy path. So, you know, there's so many books and, you know, experts and podcasts and things you can listen to, but you have to physically make yourself do the hard stuff, especially you know, for example, in a sales career, you have to be knocking on doors, making phone calls, stopping in places that you don't really want to do. But I've always, you know, advice that I got early on and what I tried to follow is when you plan your day, do the hard stuff first, make that, get that out of the way first. So if you need to make a hundred dials, you know, start your day that way. Or if you need to get out in front of people, make yourself do the hard stuff first. And, you know, when you're in a career for a while, you can't ever get away from it. If you're in sales, you always have to prospect. For myself, prospecting is more about new real estate relationships. For a realtor, it's more about getting in front of people and past clients and potential buyers. But you you can't turn that down, but it does get easier over time. And you might not have to do as much of it. Uh, the longer you're in a career, but you, you have to, you have to push yourself. You have to be bold. You can't be nervous. You can't uh, shy away from the harder parts of the job. If you want to be successful. I love that. Mm -hmm. Tina, what would you say? Yeah, I love that. Do the hard things first. And that's, that's sort of what grew our business. You know, we talk about our schedule as an agent. Most agents are 
mainly they love people and they're helpers. And so the one thing they don't want to do is make themselves uncomfortable and, you know, doing your lead follow-up or your, your um, prospecting has to be done in the morning. I always say to our team, people overestimate what they can do in a year. They underestimate what they can accomplish in 10, like in a decade. And so a lot of times, you know, when I moved here to North Carolina, I was 33, I'm 43. I had a decade plan. I knew what I would have my net worth be in a decade. And so if you're listening to this, if you're 27, by 37, what do I want to have accomplished? Don't, you know, yes, you want to have your year goal and your month goal and your week goal and your day goal, but but give yourself time. I mean, I've never met a highly, highly, highly successful person that didn't have a decade of stress and grit and determination behind them. So, so it's that decade stretch. And then for us, you know, in our group, we have CG life, call group life, and these are our core values. It means courage, grit, leadership, integrity to do the right thing, failing forward and evolving. And just know there's going to be lots of failures, but it's that grit to move past that evolve. Like you always have to change. Like you can't just keep doing the same thing and expect to stay in the same place. So, so I just would say, yeah, give yourself a decade plan. Where do you see yourself in a decade? And then is everything you're doing today you know, are you becoming that person that you see in a decade? Are you doing the things that that person in a decade who's really, really successful can look back and go, yep, I did that thing. That's why I'm here. So it's not an overnight thing. So don't think you're going to be highly successful in a year. Probably not. Ah, such good stuff. Thank you ladies so much. I hope that We've inspired some females, males, and just, you can have it all. It just takes some time and some grit and you got to be bold. So thank you. You're so welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks again for listening to the Lending Forward podcast powered by Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group. Don't forget to tune in next week and make sure you subscribe to our channel. Remember, we all play a part in lending forward. So go lend something forward today.